0: You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back everybody once again to the Oz Network as we continue on with our exclusive coverage of our recap of this series that is a third watch and we are moving into a brand new season, season five, the penultimate season of this show. Uh, we are in to the very first episode of season five. Can you believe it? The truth and other lies is the name of this episode. First aired on the 29th of September 2003 Written by Ed allen Bonero, Directed by Nelson McCormick And there's uh, plenty to get to in this one Because we've got a, a bit really to cover In terms of what happened at the end of the fourth season My name is Ben And don't play psychologist You're not that good at it
1: <laughs> My name's Darvell And tell you what, Roy Lane, FBI Why don't you kiss my ass
0: That's... Oh,
1: okay, maybe that would have been better In a Sully impression But I didn't think of that
0: <laughs> it's 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 yeah. fine. It's you know any professional podcast would we'll just go back and do that again. Considering we're not live, but you know we're not a professional uh, <laughs> podcast. Um, season five, hell Did you ever think we would get here? I, 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 I for one, at certain points, didn't think we'd ever would get here. But anyway, here we are.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad we did get here. Although I am sad that it is, that it is the penultimate season because, and really, really enjoyed covering this. Mm. I mean, it's nice to know that there are in fact other passionate third watch fans out there and i'm pretty sure you've said that more than once yourself
0: yeah and um you know we've met a few along the way um in terms of uh, the fans um you know some a lot more vocal than others i think but um you know it's 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 great that even though it's admittedly a very small little fan base out there that there are still people that are willing to talk about this show and are, are willing to listen to us uh talk about this show as well. Um so I think yeah, it's it's been a fun ride. We're we're not near the end yet though, Darville. We've still got forty four episodes to cover. Um like, that we do. We reckon that like this we is our do. final episode right now, but it's not. But it's I mean it's I think this season and I seem to say this about every season. I mean this this to me is the season that really sets us towards the end because I think this is the absolute shift of a different show. Uh, I mean, we've had it all but confirmed, really, at this point by, you know, many cast members on on the show and crew members who have interviewed on the program that season five onwards, NBC, basically were like, this is a cop show now. And you can really tell. Even though I will say, in the first, you know, half of this season, we do have some of the strongest and most relevant firefighter and paramedic storylines we've had in over a season. So... Um, it's kind of interesting how that shift is towards the cops, but we have some very good paramedic and even firefighter stuff in a couple of episodes too. So, um, mm. yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting. I don't know, like, because, again, I know you always started this show late. You kind of were watching this show uh, at this point, really, before you'd even seen a lot of the earlier stuff. So I don't know, do you kind of hold some of these seasons, the later seasons, a little bit differently to say, obviously, someone like I would? Well, um, what I... I think, I
1: think, I think you're, I think you're confused. What happened was, um, I've, I've said this before, but I don't mind, but I don't mind saying it again. What happened was, um, I saw the the very first third watch scene I ever saw was the scene where Alex died. That's on, that's on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw that, then I started, and when I saw that, it, it piqued my interest. And then I saw, uh, Let's just say the opening moments of the season six premiere. That's what that's all we'll say for now until we get to that. But yeah, when I saw that, I was like, okay, I have to watch this. And then I looked up the show, you know, to see if see if all of it was up on YouTube, because at that time I didn't know that the first couple seasons at least were out on DVD, and lo and behold it was. So over the next I don't know, month, two months or something like that. I blazed my way through the series by binge watching it on YouTube. Well, good to see that For I listened the-
0: to you, uh, then Darvell, or at least remember <laughs> what you um what you tell me. Um <laughs> But you know, good answer. Good to put me in my place. I like yeah. that at least. But yeah, but
1: but the Yeah, yeah, too bad the too bad the jag offs are always taking it down whenever people
0: try whenever people try to put it up. Mm. And we have other ways that we apparently watch it, but we won't talk about that. But um I mean yeah, I think I remember um, watching, I mean, I remember watching a lot of this when it was live on TV. Well, not live, but I mean, mm-hmm. airing for the first time in Australia, at least. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, this was, this, I believe at least the beginning of this season was kind of the last time that Channel 9 in Australia showed this in prime time. Um, and even then, they started shifting it later and later because, you know, it's prime time in Australia, I guess, as it would be in America, it's, you know, kind of like, Australia's like about seven thirty to about nine thirty. That's kind of prime time, and um, I think in this was maybe about when they started shifting this to about nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. Um, but I mean, it was still kind of loosely promoted, but it was around about here in Australia that Channel Nine did start to forget about Third Watch around about halfway through this season. Because um, I do remember season six mainly was long delayed. I can't even remember how much delayed it was. And even then, they started showing it super late at night because I do know that about, you know, two-thirds of the way through season six or even a third of the way through it, that's when I maybe started to acquire it by other means. <laughs> um, I, I remember I had... <laughs> I mean, I sort of... I think it got maybe to the end of season five and we just didn't get season six. And I knew it had finished. And I remember being at a friend's house before I even had the ability to download shows. I'll just say it on air. And I remember my friend downloading the finale for me, so I watched the finale of it uh long before I'd even seen all of season six, so that was a weird little thing, which I don't know if I've ever talked much about on the show, but yeah, I do this, like, it's interesting watching these episodes again, and kind of being taken back to, like, oh, this is kind of when it was last airing on Australian TV, before they kind of completely shafted it. So, um, yeah. Yes. It's a weed yep. connection that way, I guess. <clears throat> not that I don't have a connection to everything yeah. in the show, Darville, but yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think I've said this before. That seems to be a common thing with not just NBC here in the U.S., but any network or channel or whatever in other countries that aired Third Watch. It's like they, it's like they followed NBC's lead in forgetting about the show.
0: Well, this is, of course, is a season where, in a few weeks' time, where they've shifted the show permanently to Fridays, isn't it? The Friday Night Death slot. So we're only a couple of weeks away from that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've, we've constantly talked about how this show often was, you know, stringing to survival every year. And, you know, again, it still kind of baffles me that it, it did last till season six, considering how much, you know, NBC, as you just said, seemed to forget about it. But, um, yeah, and I, I definitely think that the shift changes in terms of the time and kind of its fight for survival starts to really show um, this season four, And this is what I've talked a lot about, you know, moving into season six, how kind of almost every week we seem to have some sort of explosion or, you know, something over the top, which clearly they put in a trailer for the show, which they can draw people in. And I mean, in the first five or six episodes alone of this season, I swear we've got about like five explosions. I swear there's almost one per episode. Um and then we, you know, start ending on cliffhangers for no reason at all Um and like, look, I'm not trying to completely rip into this season, this isn't season six, Um, but like, I will say just as we begin this, I mean I've kind of forward-watched a few of these episodes up to about the halfway point just taking notes and I will say right now that it actually surprises me that the first part of this season so far actually hasn't been terrible and I will say, at least until episode 10... Uh, no, let's, let's just stop that. At least until episode <laughs> 9, there are no bins. Um, so, at least on my behalf... Um, will episode 10 be a bin? Who knows? It's an episode about an onion. Um, but, yeah, I... It's, it's not just about an onion. It's... I think what we're going to get from this point on, at least until episode 10, um, is a string of kind of very... Solid episodes that aren't bad, they're not brilliant, but they're just kind of there, and I feel as though they've kind of got this standard quality to them, um which, you know, isn't a bad thing. I think we had some very solid episodes, but I also can say that I don't think we get any episodes that we're gonna be talking about, uh, at the end of season 6 when we talk about our favourite episodes, the third watch um you know in terms of some of the best episodes so yeah it's it's kind of a very interesting start to this season uh, and i think we talked about this in the last episode that season five is an interesting one that it's kind of it's almost like we had bipolar opposites in season four you know brilliant brilliance and terrible terribles uh season six is pretty much all bad except for maybe one or two things here or there whereas this season is kind of I don't know, like, is this maybe the most forgettable season because you don't talk about it as much in the other ones? you got maybe two really standout episodes this season and the rest are just very average. I don't know, I feel like we're, we're stringing on along here, we talked about this last episode, but, um... Yeah, anyway, am I rambling already? I yep. think I am. <laughs>
1: yeah, this is the Oz Network, so...
0: Yes, indeed, that's it's, our it's, slogan, rambling, since it's, 2017, whatever year we started. Let's get into this, um... I think, uh, I mean, a lot of this is kind of just obviously catching up on what happened, uh, in the season four finale. So we start off with some sort of creepy, weird music. We see a badge with blood on it. There's somebody running through the streets, nearly getting hit by cars everywhere. We've got paddles in a chest. There's flatlining. Um, we realize a man that's running through the streets, Fred, he's sprinted all the way to the hospital. Uh, we're still not knowing who's been shot, who's injured. We see Bosco washing his face, so we know he's okay. Uh, he's talking to Swirsky, saying that it's all him, it's all him boss. Um, and then we see Fred asking everybody what's happened, and then he picks up an IV, smashes it on the ground, and wants to know what's happened to his wife. So um, just before we get to the credits, that's a pretty quick way to start. But obviously we realise at this point that Jokic is hurt, Bosco's okay, we have no idea what's happened to Cruz at this point, but um, who knew that uh, Fred was a bit of a marathon man? This is a guy who a season ago, can I just point out, had a heart attack. And exactly one season ago, he was the one fighting for his life in hospital. So, um, you know, Full circle. not, not too bad for a man who's had a heart attack in the last 12 months, Darvell.
1: <laughs> nope. Uh, full circle. I mean, he must have really whipped himself back into shape. And, and how, what happened to his truck?
0: Like, this is something that they seem to talk about quite often. But, uh, you know, um, I guess in the, the throng of the moment when you found out a loved one's hurt, you've got to rush your way to get there. Um, I don't know like how how are we ever establish how far away they live from the hospital I don't think we've really got a, a map of where they live do we No it's yeah I mean look again you do things in this situation uh when you're panicking and everything but we go to the credits and obviously you know credits don't change a whole lot but I think it's important to point out that our opening credits here sees the addition of two official new cast members, particularly Nia Long is on our um, opening credits. She's appeared in, what, one episode for about 15 minutes, and we haven't even seen her at yep. the beginning of this, and we officially know, now know that she's a cast member. And we also have the official inclusion of Bonnie Dennison on our opening credits. Yay! <laughs> Emily is now officially a cast member. But, look, I will say it right now, and I think I did say this last season, that... Emily is so much more tolerable this season <laughs> than last season. Um, a lot more. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, she, Yeah, she's definitely in this episode, especially. She's definitely grown up.
0: Yeah, a little bit. And it's interesting because, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, but I would say that appearance-wise, she actually almost looks younger. Um, I think she's had a haircut. And don't get me started on haircuts. We're going to get to that very soon. Um, oh, but yeah, I mean, I was going to mention that. I, 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 I think maybe, yeah, like I think, I honestly feel that in between the fourth season and this season, the writers have sat down and gone like, okay, we need to, you know, scale this back a little bit. We've covered everything to do with the, you know, terrible teenager phase. And because realistically, moving forward, until we get to vampires, we don't really have any sort of bad Emily stuff, do we? Like, she's just calm. She's grown up. So, I feel as though the writers have deliberately scaled her back. Or maybe, hey, they forward-listened to us in the future, like 15 years. They went in time and listened to us and go, hey, Oz Network's right. Like, we're recycling this storyline, and it's kind of annoying. Let's stop her and make just calm her down. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Well, look, you know. know. Who knows? Like, they could have a DeLorean or something like that. Uh, (laughs) Perhaps. Maybe. Um, So, we've got the credits, as I said, and we're uh, back into it. Um, Everyone's in the hospital, apparently. Every single man and his dog is essentially uh, waiting around the hospital (laughs) for news. Um, Sully is there to calm Fred down. He said he smoothed it over with security. We see the accident on TV from earlier in the day, which, again... You and I are watching this kind of essentially back-to-back, and for our listeners out there, you know, you're kind of hopefully watching this each week with us. So, you know, there's not the six-month gap or however many months gap it is in between these episodes airing. So you've got to realise that all is what is happening in this episode is happening within the space of minutes of what's happened at the end of the fourth season. So that news report of the accident, you know, Taylor's just died on the same day. Obviously, we've got um, Johnson uh, is going to be... Uh, we're going to see him in this episode as well, so uh, you know that makes sense. Oh that my news God. reports on TV. Um, we've got uh, Fred being told here about Faith. She's got a collapsed lung. She's in surgery right now. Um, he wants the best surgeon in the country because, again, can we establish this is a family who barely can afford anything. Fred has to work how many jobs and Jokic has to work all these other jobs. And all of a sudden they can afford the best surgeon in the country. Now, this is no disrespect to your fantastic country, Darvel, but I happen to know that your medical system, not quite that cheap. Uh, so. Oh, I know that too.
1: <laughs> that is, that is not disrespectful at all, Ben, because I mean, I know that too.
0: Well, how the hell does Fred Afford the best thoracic surgeon in the country?
1: (laughs) Maybe it wasn't known back then just how
0: fucked up the healthcare system is. I don't know. I mean, is this something that the the police department cover? I mean, no, again, no disrespect to the NYPD or police officers out there, but I'm sure a lot of cops get injured quite regularly in New York City. So, I mean, are they constantly having to fork out for the best surgeon in the country? Uh, And what if the best surgeon in the country was in Hawaii? You know, that's a long flight. <laughs> she might not have time. <laughs> Several flights. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, Fred's, Fred's questioning Sully and Davis. Um, you know, she was on the desk. How on earth did this happen? And they don't know. And then Fred obviously finds out that Bosco was involved and not too happy about that. Speaking of uh, Bosco, he's got, um, he's got the anti-crime people kind of just... Regging in on him, telling him not to say anything. Um, and then Bosco doesn't want to listen to them. He wants to talk to Lou. He wants to tell everything that happened. And, uh, basically kicks out, uh, the anti crime people, uh, along the way. So we're kind of going to get Bosco mm-hmm. versus, an- excuse me, anti crime in this episode a little bit. Uh, and good to see Swirsky yep. getting a bit of screen time in this episode too. Uh, I mean, not that he hasn't really gotten and- screen time, but, you know, he seems to, gets a bit of early season screen time, or does old Swirsky.
1: Yes, and he owns every second of it, too.
0: Oh, he's great. He really is great. And, um I mean, we know he is the most frequent, um, I guess, non-main star to appear on this show, Joe Lisi. And um I think, yeah, they really do ramp up his screen time in the last couple of seasons, which is good. And I agree with you, he does own everything. He's a great... He's a great addition because like he obviously gets his own little farewell in the closing sequence of this show when we do end next season. So, uh they obviously hold him in enough high esteem that he uh has that. Um <laughs> All right, then we get into uh lieutenant Johnson. He is uh laying- Oh god. <laughs> He's very hurt. Oh god, it hurts. Laying in the uh the gurney, his uh wife is there supporting him, the doctors are all over him. He's basically completely burnt to bits and uh, this is that one where i said uh my journalism teacher i remember the next morning saying did you watch the watch last night that was pretty pretty fucked up um but maybe the sign of things to come when it comes to continuity on this show and lack of care for uh, certain aspects and particularly maybe for the fire department because we are, again, I, I pointed out, we are literally minutes from the end of last season. You know, maybe an hour or two now that they're in hospital and everything, but we're on the same day as the end of season four. The last time we saw Doc, he was talking to Kim at the waterfront and he had a fantastic head of hair. He had hair, all right? He, he had hair. In the space of a couple of hours... Somehow, Doc, who is, you know, having to deal with the death of one of his paramedics, the fact that his boss is burnt up and deformed on a mattress in front of him at a hospital and has just had an emotional speech to Kim saying that he's going to take the promotion because he can't handle this anymore. He's somehow found the time to go to a hairdresser and get his head shaved because here he is with a shaved head... Um, this is, this, I just cannot forgive this. I think this is terrible. This is just legitimately something which surely they would say to their actors, okay, this is set minutes after or hours after the finale of season four. Do not change your appearance. And for some reason, Michael Beach has been allowed to go and get his head shaved in this space and the writers have not cared. I mean, maybe they have cared. Maybe they've like gone off at him and whatever. But if that is the case, why don't they put a wig on him or something like that to just, you know, disguise the fact? <laughs> and then a week later, when there's some time passed, then have his head shaved. I just, I don't see how they can have let this go. And I, I cannot for the life of me remember if this was something I mentioned to Michael Beach when I interviewed him, because that was about five years ago, and I haven't really listened to it since. Um, but that is something for sure that I would love to, if we ever got him back on the show, being like, hey, how did you shave your head between season four and season five and it never got picked up on? I mean, this is one of those things, Darvell, where again, I don't really like to bring up sort of, you know, your situation, but you obviously probably would never notice this because obviously you, nope. you were blind. So you can't see this. So it's, it's something that has just really irked me over the years. And I'm so glad I have a, a soapbox right now to be able to vent about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and that's, and that is all, that is all right, Ben, I'll say it again. No, no offense taken. Um, and I mean, I don't know how quickly it take, I don't know how quickly it takes one's hair to fall out under stress. That's the only explanation I can think of, but maybe, <laughs> maybe, he, may, maybe that's a, maybe that's part of it. And I want to, I'd like to back up and talk about, um, you know, although we really haven't left this scene, um, Johnson in the hospital and on, on the gurney and the doctors all over him and, all oh, that stuff—he's like really, really badly burned up. Um, did I tell you? Well, there's a story behind this, so that's why I'm. That's why I'm. That's. Yeah, there's a story behind this. Did I tell you um, about one time when uh, a little over s- sometime last year, I got a, I got a, I got a ride. I got a ride somewhere from an Uber driver who was also a paramedic, and I told her about Third Watch.
0: Uh, I don't think you have told the story. No.
1: Okay. Well, um oh well, yeah, I did. I was at was at work wanted to go get lunch and so got a ride from an Uber driver who turned out to be a paramedic and I told her about Third Watch. She's younger than me so and and she said she hadn't seen it and I showed her the clip where where Alex dies and Lieutenant Johnson gets all burned up and um and she told me that she had actually that she had actually treated burn injuries before and then I I remember and she told me about how and she told me like what they do what they do to, what they do to you in the hospital to continue to treat them and what what she said one of the things she said they do is that they have to they have to they have to literally scrape all the all the all the dead skin off the burned areas of your body. Mm. And that had, and that had me wondering as badly burned as Johnson is, I mean, is, and, and considering the extent of his burns, I mean, cause there, I mean, cause you have the doc, you have the doctors around him and all that. And of course, I mean, they're painful anyway, but they're made even more painful by at least according to this, according to this, according to this lady I rode with, they don't put you out when they do that like like you have to be awake for for some reason so it had me wondering okay i started thinking hmm is that what they're doing to him in this scene or they or can you or can you not tell
0: um no they he's kind of just laying there really um he's just sort of laying there staring at his wife and just you know crying out in pain i mean he he's Incredibly badly burnt. Uh, I will say the the makeup uh, effects here are uh, brilliant. I mean, the the doctor is sort of got a um, I guess some sort of gals or something on his head. I don't know if that means he's pe- they're peeling the skin off, but it's kind of almost like they're treating his burns. But I I mean, look, just if you like the the extent of his burns, if they were to peel his skin off, they would basically skin him because from what you can see, his entire top half of his body, his head and his arms are just Co- coated just coated in burns and um yeah uh, they, I mean you yeah. hear this here from the doctor here basically saying that you know he's he's gonna lose an arm he's gonna lose an eye he's gonna lose an ear um, he's he's gone like right? there's nothing that can be done and his, essentially
1: yeah it from from what it sounded like I mean his right this is the most gruesome and most painful part for me to think about that his right his right eye was apparently literally burned away
0: yeah it's it's I mean, it's very graphic, and I think that um you know, like it's done in a way that and I think kind of you definitely sold it well to me and when we get to that scene uh in this episode when uh, Ruth obviously has her speech, um I think this episode, what it does well is um and not to say that this show has never not shown this well is the is the dangers and you know the sort of the aftermath of what these people face, and I think they do a, a good balance in this episode because, you know, not to take away from Taylor's death last episode, but it kind of was done in a over-the-top graphic way where literally her legs land next to her in a very almost cartoonish manner. Um, you know, which again, I get. You know, people, paramedics, get blown in half in accidents, firefighters, police, you know, it, it happens. But it was done in a very TV way last episode that she died. Whereas this is kind of you know, showing, I guess the aftermaths of everything. And the fact that, you know, you could argue, why don't they kill Johnson off in that explosion? And why do they have to drag it out? But I think kind of, it's important to show that effect. That this is what happens in these situations, you know? Um,
1: yeah. Spoiler alert. Johnson dies.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, again, yep. I think, and he- I, oh, sorry, <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. And
1: although I, I read somewhere, couldn't tell you where I seem to say that a lot, don't I? Apparently. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I read I read somewhere a while back that originally they weren't going to kill him off. They were going to they were going to show him at home recovering, but I mean, let's be real, it was probably better that they go that route because he there there's no way there's no way he would have been able to return to acting lieutenant. So if they had if they had allowed him to survive, I mean, what could they have done with him?
0: Yeah, and I think also there's a cost in that, too, because, you know, the extent of makeup and prosthetics they've got, I'm sure, um, you know, would be, you know, extensive. And no disrespect to Lieutenant Johnson, he was never a major enough character, I feel, where, like, the thing with Johnson is I feel that you don't realise how important he is slash was until he's dead, um, at least that was my perspective when I first saw this. Now that you know what happens to him, when he starts to get screen time, you pay a bit more attention to him. But I still feel that Walsh and DK and all that sort of stuff have a lot more importance and relevance to this firehouse that, um, you know, like we talked about that last episode, didn't we, where Jimmy's not even there when this happens and yet, you know, DK and Walsh are strong enough side characters that they can sort of hold a lot of this stuff. So, um, yep. I don't know how they would have done that if they had kept Johnson alive. And, like, I can see them doing it. Like, but I, I, I am kind of satisfied with what they do here. Because again, as I said, like, you don't appreciate him until he's dead. And even then you're like, Oh yeah, he was pretty good. It's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, if Swersky had, this happened to Swirsky. But I mean, Swersky's a lot more got screen presence along the way. So. And there's nothing to take away from John Michael Bolger. He's a great actor. We love him. We've talked enough about him, and we'll talk a little bit about him when he dies very soon. The act, uh, the character, not the actor. Sadly, John Michael Bolger has passed away since we've recorded this and the episode has aired. We didn't kill him. This isn't Roger Moore in 007. But, um yeah, I think that it's... I think it's a satisfying way for his character, his arc. I think it works well.
1: Yeah, but even though it's absolutely excruciating to watch him, to watch him suffering like yeah. that. And you... I mean and I'm going to back up to something that you said a minute ago about you know DK and yeah it it shows that DK and Walsh even though they're side characters can carry the firefighting stuff. Well, I mean kind of a throwaway thing here. I mean it helps that in real life they are actual FDNY firefighters.
0: Well, yeah, but I yeah, absolutely and I think it's it's props to them as you know people who they've gotten on this show and they can act. Like we've talked about this before. DK and Walsh can act. Um, you know, there, there are plenty of people on this show who I feel you can tell are actual cops or firefighters who have obviously been on set or something and they've just got them as an extra who maybe say a line or two and they can't act. Whereas, you know, DK and Walsh, you can tell why they stick them around for this whole, you know, basically all six seasons. It's because they can mm-hmm. actually act. And there are some people out there who aren't actors, who can hold, who, who can act like it's just a natural ability. I'm one of them. Um, but not really. Um, but yeah, I act like I am a podcast host this whole time and I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, they're, they're definitely two people who can act. Um, so, you know, I, uh, I, I don't know if they ever went on to do anything after third watch. It's not something I've really looked into. We obviously know DK is married to, to Jokis, to Molly Price, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Walsh.
1: Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Walsh. I, I don't know if he necessarily went on to any more acting, but uh he between the time of Third Watch and the time of recording this, um I I think he I think he's been retired for several years now, but he, he retired as a he retired retired as a uh I think he was a captain at one of the many, many firehouses in NYC. I don't remember which one, but
0: Well I can tell I hope he's. A, you sorry to interrupt that. No, Bill Walsh. Um, yeah, so after Third Watch, he yeah he went into a few things. And actually, even before Third Watch, he was in some things. So he was a paramedic in a show called Big Apple. Um, I like guess actually this is sort of during Third Watch, isn't it? So Third Watch was his first. But then Law and Order, he was an ESU policeman number two. Elmo visits the firehouse. He was firefighter Bill. I'm sure oh, that was a highlight of his career. I, I
1: love, I love that bit. Have you seen that?
0: No, I can't say it's uh something I've seen. No. <laughs> Queen, I'll send it to you. Oh, please do. Queen Supreme. Uh, he played court officer Lloyd Drum in Law and Order: Criminal Intent. He was in two episodes where he, one episode he played fireman, and in another episode he played Detective Parsons uh freedom land he was a county sheriff united 93 there we go he was in newark supervisor law and order svu he was lieutenant igel and his l- most recent appearance was in 2016 where he played customer in the tv show blind spot um and dk he uh also started on third watch but he has had appearances in 100 Center Street, It Runs in the Family, What True, Fuzzy Connections, Portrait of Leonore Forever, and Law and Order SVU, where he's played four different characters in four different episodes. So, there you go. <laughs> okay. Yep.
1: Yeah. But I But I, I. know Walsh isn't a firefighter anymore, and I I don't know about DK, though.
0: Well, they're, they're ones that definitely we would love to get on the show. Uh, they're not exactly ones I think that Kind of when we've tracked down some people, you know, are easier to find because we know they're real firefighters, so they're not exactly going to have an agent and somebody who we can sort of track down and, you know, message. So I feel, should we ever successfully get Molly Price on the show, that uh, that's a question we can pass on to Molly Price or her agents. Like, hey, what are the chances of speaking to DK as well? So... Um, and then maybe through DK we could get Walsh or who knows, even through some of our other connections we can get it passed on. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're hounds on the show. We like to try and uh, sniff things out and find things. So, um. Just watch this space. We'd like to get them on. But uh, we need to talk about this episode, Davo. We're not getting anywhere, really, I feel, at like the moment. Um, Doc <laughs> wants to go on the helicopter. They've got to transport Johnson to another hospital. Uh, Ruth wants to go on there, too. But uh, they said there's no room on the helicopter. But Doc basically says we will find room no matter what. Um, so we're going to get that soon. Um, Kim is trying to call... Oh, I should mention in this uh, situation, too, this is where we find out that Johnson is not going to make it. Um... Mm-hmm. Kim's on the phone trying to call Noble because she hasn't heard from him. Remember Noble? uh, He's the one who kind of just quickly gets forgotten about in this whole situation. Um, You know, she just wants to hear his voice and that uh, she's thinking about him. Kind of, you know, great acting by Kim Raber, really uh, expresses the emotion. She has a terrible day, old Kim here. (laughs) Like, she's going to lose three people in one day, essentially. Um, Not that some people in the firehouse obviously don't lose two people in one day, but uh, you kind of got to feel for Kim. She loses the most... um, In this episode. Uh, Bosco, meanwhile, is uh, talking to Johnson. Not uh, to Johnson, sorry, to Swersky, and uh, saying what happened. Now, this is where I don't fully understand it because he's saying that Noble pulls a gun. He pulled a gun on Noble and then Cruz pulled a gun and then Jokas pulled. Yokus followed Bosco's lead to pull a gun on Noble. Cruz pulled a gun on Yokus and then Cruz shot Yokus and then he says that he shot Cruise, which obviously we know is not true. Yoko shot Cruise. Now, I don't know like whether this is a continuity error or the editing in the last episode was just done differently to keep it as a cliffhanger, but we definitely see in the final moments of season four, Yoko is the one who pulls a gun first. So, she's the one who's sort of handing the gun to Cruise and then randomly decides to flip it around and point it at Cruise. That's what we see, but I don't know if maybe they deliberately don't show Noble pulling a gun and Bosco sort of doing it to keep the tension, uh, so I don't really want to point this out as an error, but yeah, definitely at least what we've been shown, we see Joker's pulling a gun first, so um, I have to say, through all of this situation, as much as we, we talked about how great the ending was last season, probably the best cliffhanger we get on this show... Um, <laughs> Is all of this believable that <laughs> we've got cops shooting each other like this? One of them's worked for the FBI. And in the space of a few episodes of time, this is all going to get forgotten about. Um, I, I kind of feel as though, you know, we hear Swirsky here saying that he's going to explain this to the commissioner. Um, which I'm sure is Tom Selleck. He's going to show up and <laughs> have the Reagan. Ah,
1: Whenever yes, they talk Frank about commissioners, do
0: you not just think about, um, Tom Selleck? <laughs> <laughs> how, yeah, how would the, this would actually make for a good Blue Bloods episode. Well, don't worry, Darvel, they'll rip it off in a couple of seasons. You know? <laughs> Between them and 911, they're all ripping off all third watch episodes, so they probably will do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just find it interesting. I just find it really interesting. Like, this is, I mean, again, it's TV. We can't, this is not a realistic, 100% realistic TV show, but, you know, <sighs> I, it's, it's just interesting how this all gets swept under a rug in a couple of episodes. We've got literally cops shooting each other and they're fine. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> well, mostly. I mean, Yokos, as we know, takes a while to recover.
0: Yeah, but I mean, in terms of the ramifications, like, it's kind of like the FBI just happened to be involved a sweep it away. And this is where I'm not a fan of the FBI's involvement. And this is where sort of I was saying a few episodes ago where it just seems to kind of come out of nowhere. And if you watch the end of season four, knowing that Cruz and Noble are supposedly working for the FBI, it doesn't make sense. And to me, I think the only reason they've included the FBI is for the sole reason of, well, we can't have a season of these people fighting in court for shooting each other. So let's include the feds because they can clear this up straight away. So that's to me, the only reason why the FBI is involved.
1: Yeah, probably. And also there's, I think another reason why this largely gets forgotten about is... uh, Spoiler alert, there's a scene in the next episode, My Opening Farewell, where Bosco actually confronts Cruz because Cruz is wanting to hang Faith out to dry. Mm. And Bosco basically says, you know, if you do that, I'll expose your ass.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of elements to it, and I guess... You know, I can't sit here and complain about plot holes and continuity errors when they're going out of their way to fill those up and explain the storyline. Um, it's just I don't think it's a very believable storyline. But again, this is a TV show and nothing, not everything, is completely you know realistic. I mean, at the end of the day, Cruz gets shot in the head and she survives, so you know <laughs> that can happen. Yeah, it can. It can. It is. It is very true. That definitely can happen. Um. So we've just got a scene of Sully and Davis having a... A chat here. Um, Sully checking on Davis to see if he's okay because the connection to Taylor, which I think is, is, you know, here I am complaining about, you know, storylines and being stupid, but uh, it's a good little continuity thing that they sort of remember to bring up that Davis and Taylor obviously were seeing each other at some point. Can we just point out, we didn't really point this out last episode. Remember back when Bobby and uh, Taylor hooked up for about five minutes in season two and we kind of alluded to the fact that, well, we know what's going to happen to these two. So, um, <laughs> you know, our two sort of main deaths that we have in this show really until the end of season six, uh, you know, sort of hook up and kind of die. So, you know, bad bad juju <laughs> yeah. happening in the um in uh, the firehouse. In the five five. Yeah, in the five five. Uh Kim takes Davis away because we've got to go tell uh get Taylor's mother. Um we've got a shot of Cruz, we you know this is where we first find out what's happened to Cruz that she's completely okay. Uh, she's got concussion, but she'll uh, recover fully. Swersky uh, tells a cop to keep an eye on her and to say whenever she wakes up. Joc uh, is getting take away to surgery. She utters Bosco's name to Fred, and Fred's not too happy uh, about that. Um, sort of questioning why on earth uh, she's saying Bosco's name as she gets wheeled away. Uh, Carlos is out in the ambulance. A news crew comes along and he's basically questioning him. They mention that Noble, Aaron Noble is dead and Carlos doesn't believe it. So he goes in and rushes in and lifts up the sheet to see that, uh, that his Noble has been killed. Another, uh, opportunity for, uh, writers of a TV show to paint journalists as assholes. <laughs>
1: I knew you were gonna
0: have an issue with this. <laughs> Again, we're not all like that, people. All right. Like, they're not all like that. There are definitely some who are like that. But we are not all like that, all right? Uh, I'm sure there are asshole paramedics out there. So, but you're not just showing them um, on this. Yeah,
1: thing. you were. His name. His name was Carlos for the first three and a half seasons.
0: <laughs> can I just point out too, um, not really in this episode, but uh, Carlos's hair. Uh, I seem to be really nitpicking on hair at this point. <laughs> but from from season five onwards, I don't think Carlos has a haircut. <laughs> because by the end of season six, he's almost got a mullet. So um, he, he uh, mullets Carlos, were still a thing. Oh, uh, well, you know, apparently they were. So Carlos basically just grows his hair out at the moment. Um Kim is in the car talking to Davis and um kind of, you know, talking about the situation and not knowing what would happen if something happens to a son. Again, Joey doesn't get a name at all. He's just mentioned to as my son, Um, Kim apologized to Davis because, uh, she remembers that her, uh, Taylor and Davis were a thing. Uh, Davis just doesn't want to talk, so they're going to sit there in silence. Again, randomly, like Kim and Davis partnered up here. You never see these two working together in any capacity, so, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, can I, can I just, can I just say, I, I really didn't like how dismissive Davis was of this whole thing with Alex dying. I mean, yeah, they ended on bet, on, well, oh, bad terms, for lack of better phrasing. But I mean, come on, man, that has to be affecting you somehow. Well, in some way, I think it has to be.
0: I agree with you, but I think they cover it well. I think they they explain why he's being dismissive, and I think that, um, I think they I think they explain it well enough that you can excuse it because obviously he explains it and says, you know, I dated her and I dismissed her and was embarrassed that I was, you know, dating a white girl, so, you know, I don't have a right to feel bad. I-, I like the fact that they say that, and, you know, it is one of these random little moments where I feel I'm always so bad about the continuity in the writing of this show that they remember that, and I think that's that's a good little thing that they do, because that's legitimately what happened. That's why they broke up, because when he was in hospital uh, and Davis's mother showed up, like, we saw the scene where Davis quickly, you know, lets go of Taylor's hand, and, you know, it's just explained off as that, you know, he's obviously it was alluded to that he's ashamed to be dating a white girl and then this is all but confirmed and this is what a season and a half later so um thereabouts yeah i i think that i think it's good i think like i definitely see what you're saying but i i think they explained it enough that we can sort of see why he's being so dismissive um right yeah and
1: oh oh, we're talking over each other again damn it um (laughs) Although I and I think I said this too back when we were covering that episode, uh, superheroes part two. That's yeah, that's what it was. I think I said this too back then. I don't think he, he says that. You know, I was a, I humiliated her in front, of, in front of my in front of my mother. I was ashamed to be going out with a white girl. I think he was more embarrassed at the thought of what of what he thought Maggie might have said about it. And quite frankly, I don't think she would have
0: cared. <laughs> yeah i agree with that i i from what we've seen of davis's mum, who makes a fantastic reappearance next episode can we just point that out um yeah i agree with you i don't think she would have cared either but um you know for some reason they sort of included that in there um yeah we'll lump a few of these scenes in together here because we're slowly getting through this um uh swirsky puts sully on bosco watch um and Bo- uh, sully obviously asked why and Great, great acting here by Joe Lee He's obviously very angry at the situation with everything that's happening, so he yells at Bo- uh, Sully and tells him just to do something for once without arguing. Um, Jimmy shows up. We sort of alluded to this last episode. I said, you know, where's Jimmy? But then I completely forgot that he sort of was out in the island with his kid again, Joey, not getting referenced to as a name. He's just a kid now. Um, but I do love how Jimmy's. At least sort of, he
1: isn't dirty kid. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Touche. Good call. Uh, I do love how, um, Jimmy just rocks up on a motorbike and the cop's like, you can't park here. And he's like, I'm FDMI. And they're like, okay. Like, is that a thing? Can they just, like, park there? Like, okay. <laughs> um, but I will say, like, for a season, basically, season four, where Jimmy was all but in nothing except for what, one episode and then nothing since. Um, we get a lot of Jimmy stuff early on in this season, which is good. And I will say I like what they do with Jimmy this season, even though, spoiler alert, he's yes. going to be leaving about halfway through this season. Um, I like what they're going to do with him and Kim. Uh, and I think we will talk a little bit more about that sort of moving forward. But, uh, yeah, Jimmy shows up, um, talks to, talks to Carlos, um, and finds out about the boss, uh, about Lou. Um, and then he goes inside to see, uh, I, mean, actually, I should just quickly mention here that Carlos called Davis to tell him that, uh, go around the back entrance when they come back because, uh, the reporters are there and that, uh, they're talking about Aaron Noble and that, uh, Kim was seeing him. Then, uh, Jimmy comes in to see the boss, all the firefighters waiting. Jimmy, at s- Jimmy, please. Poor old Johnson. Please. Yes. He's, uh, just absolutely in agony. I
1: can't like this, Doc
0: he's begging jimmy to help out as well uh what does he say like if you're my friend you would help me if you're my if
1: you're my friends please help me
0: very hard to watch and obviously we're finding out that nothing can be done because uh you know any more uh morphine essentially he will die um sally better sally questioning bosco a little bit about what happened um, and then Bosco says he's gonna go up and see Yocus and then Sully says he can't let him do that, but then he says, like you can come up with me. Emily shows up for the first time and she's actually not annoying. <laughs> she took money out of the house jar to catch a cab to come in and uh, see how that she's going. Bosco shows up and uh, wanting to question Fred about what happens. Um he's trying to explain what happens. Fred punches him, and uh Sully essentially has to subdue him, and Fred threatens to kill Bosco if he comes near his family again. It's a pretty good idea there, Fred, threatening to kill a police officer in front of another police officer. Uh,
1: <laughs> Not the brightest of ideas, and yet and yet I and yet in a way I can understand it.
0: The thing I'll just say with all the Fred stuff, sort of early on in this season, going through with Yokos is that This Realistically From here until When Yokus sort of Has some time away from this What like Episode 5 Episode 6 Um It's gotta be the last time We get Normal Fred and Yokus Because There's gonna be a big shift As to what happens in this Pair when Yokus comes back And then you know, I'm not going to be a fan of how they handle that situation because I do remember seeing an interview with Molly Price or reading an interview with her when Third Watch was on and basically she was saying and championing the fact that for a large part of Third Watch's run, her and Fred were the only married couple on network primetime TV. Um, and I think, like, that was actually true. Like, and they kind of celebrated the fact that they had this you know, married couple on a network show that had issues, but they always stayed together. Um, and yet we're going to get what we get in about a season's time. So uh, yep. it's frustrating. Um, but I guess, you know, they wanted to try something a little bit new. But, yeah, we'll get to that next season. But, um, yeah, so Fred, you know, again, he has every right to go off. Chris Bowers, great acting here. And, you know, they've got to put it down to him being a bit emotional about what's happening sort of between the situation but uh, yeah, threatening to kill a cop in front of another cop, maybe not the smartest idea. Uh- <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> but I think we can both agree that it's not the smartest idea, and yet we both understand it's a highly emotional situation, so yeah, yeah of course he's going to go off.
0: Exactly. Uh, Davis pulls up with Kim, Carlos uh, grabs Kim to avoid going inside, tells her that Noble is dead, uh, she doesn't believe it, she rushes inside. Uh, Fred talking to, uh, Emily. Emily asking, do you really think this is, uh, Bosco's fault? Emily, kind of the voice of reason here, saying, well, whatever she did, she yeah. didn't have to do it. Like, again, what's happened here, Darvel? How am I actually, you know, not minding what Emily is bringing right now? She's not annoying. She's got logical sense. And, again, not that I've ever had anything against Bonnie Dennison, but she's really good in this scene. So, <laughs> um see, like this is not me just hating yep. the character of Emily. It's me hating the crap that we had last year with her And now all of a sudden we've kind of got normal Emily. It's kinda of nice, <laughs> yes, it is, so you know it really is look at this now we move into this scene, which um definitely I think you sold it well enough to me last uh year about it, and i've I've written down straight away top five and and it, look, let's just say this right now in a season that probably isn't going to have these standout top five moments like last season did where we all but guaranteed what four of them were and kind of, you know, ended up having six because we couldn't agree on the last two, last two spot so we just gave it to the last two that we were debating over. I mean this is a season where we will struggle to have top five at least at the top of my head. They might come to us along the season but this is one that I feel is a very valid strong argument for it and this is coming from a character who we've just met this episode so this is how strong this scene is um, yep. they're all sort of worried about Ruth and kind of worried about Johnson, and they're asking, um, you know, if there's anything that they can do. And she gives this great speech, uh, essentially nails about you nails know, it, absolutely nails it. You know that, um, you know, why do you, you know, tell me why, Jimmy? Why do you do this job? It's certainly not for the money. You know, a couple of years ago, people respect you, and now they go back to ignoring you. Uh, and then, you know, just this great spiel about sort of, you know, really showcasing what these people do to go out there and risk their lives to save people for very little pay. And then they end up like this, um, you know, burnt, like she calls him a monster. How do I explain, you know, who yeah. this monster is to my kids? Um, just a yeah, great that, speech. Yeah,
1: that, that part, the part that, that, yeah, that's the line that always really gets me. It's when she says, you know, I mean, I'm not going to try to do an impression of it, but, uh, um, but, but that's like, you know, why? I don't understand why you would want to do a job that leaves a wife to explain to her children why that monster in there is all that's left of their father. Yeah, and 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 um, even apparently, here I go back to something I read somewhere. Except I can tell you where this time. There's a U- there's a clip up on YouTube of that scene, mm-hmm. and and someone says. Some random YouTube user, so who knows? They could be lying, maybe, or maybe they're telling the truth. But they said that they actually got to know John Michael Bolger and kept in touch, kept in touch with him for a little bit after Third Watch. And even John Michael Bolger said – John Michael Bolger, who of course plays Lou, as we know um, – he, he said that, the, that whoever cast her to play this small role – Audrey Neenan is her name, by the way. Yes, it is. Um, whoever cast Audrey Neenan to play this role – just nailed it i mean even john michael bulger was just blown away with not only with not only the speech but the emotion you would have thought that this woman was actually a firefighter's wife
0: Mm, yeah i agree and fantastic casting and i mean maybe up until this point the the best one-off casting we've had i mean the fact that you know she's had what one scene two scenes before this moment, and she just comes out and just owns this scene and very much realistically could end up in the top five at the end of this season. So um, it's it's a strong scene. It's great. It's very well acted. And, yes, Audrey Needham. and she'll be in the next episode briefly as well. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, What sadly, else has she been in? Uh, looking here, she's been in a lot of things. She's been acting since 1978, to be precise. Uh, IMDb lists her four most notable roles as... Uh, Clint Eastwood movie Sudden Impact, she was in Ghost Town, Uh, she was in The Departed, and uh, some show called Not Necessarily the News. So um,
1: (laughs) I think I've heard of that.
0: And she also played a judge in Law and Order SVU for a season, it seems, as well. Um, And that even crossed over into, well, it looks like she originally played it on uh one of the other law and orders and it kind of went across to other ones there so she's been in friends gossip girl um ali McBeal. she's she's done the trap she's been in a lot of things but uh, great actress audrey neen props to you for this scene um all right let's keep going through this because there's still plenty to get to here and we're going to run over time uh we have got uh Cruz awake um she's handcuffed to the uh the bed saying it's a hell of a thing to uh wake up to she needs to talk to some people first before she can answer any of Swersky's questions um and then uh Swersky says that how Bosco shot her and then Cruz sort of laughs it off and says what like no what he shot me no that's you know, well, shouldn't say it's not what happened but uh clearly it's implied that way um Swersky comes in to, uh, see Bosco and Sully, um, tells Bosco he can leave and go home. I do love the way sort of he sees, um, Bosco's black eye. It's like, what happened? And the way Sully's kind of like, prison got out of hand, sir. Put him into line. Told him what he has to, has to do. So. And just the look. Swesky has his look. He can do a look when he can kind of, you know, just, he doesn't need to say anything. He just needs to stare at someone and he, uh, he has a look. <laughs> That's
1: his, mm hmm. Yeah, look.
0: exactly. Bosco then he's leaving he's gonna go see Yokos and Sully's sort of saying, what's wrong with you? Um, you can't do this, just leave her alone. Then to ask Sully to take him back to the house. Um,. Kim uh, is with Noble's body and Carlos sort of checks on her and just uh, she wants to be left alone. Carlos says he'll go wait in the bus. Uh, Sully and Davis are taking Bosco back to the house. They get pulled over by a, uh, a car with flashing lights, some sort of police vehicle. And this is where we meet the FBI. And I do love Sully's reaction here. You obviously had your opening quote, but I do love it when he's like, oh, look at those badges." Um, (laughs) and this is where we go ahead go ahead
1: I was going to say I was going to use that one but I couldn't remember what the exact
0: wording was this is where we find out that um, Cruz was working with the FBI as was Noble Cruz was Noble's handler and they were trying to get to Buford essentially so this (gasps) whole thing was a setup and that it was all a plan essentially and then Bosco sort of saying, you know, that, um, what you're talking about and that the FBI, um, are gonna make everything better. Again, as I was saying, I just feel that this is only done purely for the fact that they, um, you know, making this so that they can explain it away. Um, this guy is familiar. I'm looking up here. David Pitu is the FBI agent. Uh, he was in Men in Black 3. He's in a couple episodes of those House of Cards. Maybe that's what I know him from. Um, But he's definitely... Ah, he was in Damages. There we go. That's what I know him from. Um, He definitely is a familiar face. But, um, yeah, look, I mean, I just don't like this storyline. I think it's just dumb. It makes no sense. And, again, if you watch the end of Season 4 knowing that this is the thing, it makes no sense that this whole thing has basically worked with the FBI. There's no way Noble was with the FBI, and he was that cracked up on drugs um, without any form of help along the way. So... Yeah, the only thing I will say is I do like the way this scene is shot. They're kind of like under a uh, train line and there's sparks going off in the background. Like, it's a very sort of New York-y night shot, which looks really, really good. So, yeah, I don't know if you have anything really bad on the FBI storyline. I think it's dumb.
1: Yeah, I think it was really... Now that you mention that, I think it was really only done to... I don't even I don't even know what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah,
0: neither do the um, writers, Darrell. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what they said. There. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I, sorry if I didn't really say much when you were going when you were going on there. I got yeah, I got a got a bit just dis- got a bit distracted. My 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 mom came in needed help with something, so I was trying to.
0: It's all good. It's all good. It's, uh, yep. it's, it's, a lot of people listening to this show get distracted as well. They realize they're still listening to us. Um, we've got a great <laughs> shot here of the helicopter flying over Times Square. I did really love that shot. And, uh, we've got Help Johnson on the helicopter with Ruth. He's begging Please. for, begging Doc. He's in Help pain. Me. And can we just point out that essentially Doc kills Lieutenant Johnson. Now, okay, I know it's a little bit more than that. Like, we realise that he's in, you know, absolute agony. Nothing can be done for him. Doc doesn't like hearing him in pain. And sort of Ruth gives him a nod as if to say, like, put him to peace and kind of put him to sleep. But this is this is my whole thing with Bobby in Season 2 when he did that with his teacher. Like... I'm not here to to talk about this whole idea of euthanasia and everything because if I had to express opinion, I'm for it. I believe you should be able to die with dignity and go out with peace in a situation like this. I am not against the idea of what Doc does here. But I think in the grand scheme of things, sadly it's illegal and Doc's essentially just killed him. And exactly what Bobby did... And again I know there's a gray area there but in all letters of the law Doc would be prosecuted here because it is illegal. And how does he get away with it?
1: <laughs> Who knows? It's just but it's, uh, I mean again in both cases I mean Bobby's teacher and Lieutenant Johnson I mean they were they were going to they were going to die anyway and that's that is the Whole gray area thing. I guess
0: that, but and like, I I guess, kind of at the end of the day, are they going to check him to see why he died when he's that badly burnt, and they're going to assume why he died? No. So, and same with Bobby's teacher. Like, but I mean, all it takes is one person to do a test and to realize that they were given a an extensive dose of morphine or whatever it is that they're giving him to die, and then they're going to investigate. So.
1: You know, although that that closing that close the his final his final his final moments with Ruth, though, absolutely beautiful little scene between the two of them. And honestly, I wish that's that little moment between the two of them right before he dies. It made me wish that Lou was more of a major character so we could have actually seen their their relationship and maybe even gotten to know their children.
0: I agree, Uh, but at the same time, I think we get enough to kind of get enough emotional connection out of it, and I think it's all come, comes down to that scene, obviously, we had with Ruth, and I mean, I don't really think there's a whole lot here to eulogise Lieutenant Johnson with, because I think we've kind of covered enough in this episode, he's not someone we necessarily got a whole lot of time to see, and I think kind of, again, to repeat myself, he's kind of a character you don't realise how important he was until he died, so... I think we get a lot of that kind of in the coming yeah, episodes of kind of, you know, bits here and there, but, um, I think, you know, he was an important character enough that obviously he needed a bit of a send off like this, but it ends with a great yeah. shot of the helicopter flying over the city too. I do love kind of the way that helicopter flies over New York. It's a great shot. So, um, yeah. yeah. Rip, and I would have Lieutenant loved Johnson.
1: Yeah. I, I would have loved to have, he, he's the kind of boss that I would have, that I would have liked to, that I'd like to have.
0: I think he's the type of boss you know, most people would have liked to have. Exactly.
1: Yeah, because he, I mean, yeah, he, he's li- he's lighthearted a lot of the time, yes, but but also when he needs to be, when when he needs to be, he will he will he will tell you what's what.
0: Mm. Yeah, exactly. Let's uh, string this towards the end here. I reckon I can lump right. a lot of these in together. So we've got Kim waiting outside. It's daylight now. Jimmy approaches her, and this is where he tells her that. Uh, Johnson's died so poor old Kim's having to face three deaths in one day so uh you know she breaks down says she can't keep doing this it's not fair fantastic acting here on Kim Raver just owns this scene and great acting from Eddie Sibrian too you know I've, I've I've just watched I think I have probably mentioned it before his uh show he did with take uh with Rachel Bilson called Take Two and um like it's, it, it's not a show that really shows off the ability of Eddie Cibrian's acting. Let's just point it that way. And I don't know if I have to balance that out with Rachel Bilson, because Rachel Bilson's great as Summer in the OC, but she's kind of not so great in other roles. But anyway, my point is is that Eddie Cibrian is a great actor, and if you watch Take Two, don't take that as the gospel as to how well Eddie Cibrian can act. Um But I, I do like this Kim and Jimmy moment. It's been, what, season two? no. Season, when was the last time we had a good Jimmy and Kim scene? Because season three, they're at each other's throats. So, I mean, I guess you could technically say season three when they make up, but, you know, it's been a while since these two have sort of been anything but, you know, be, did they even right. share a scene in season three? Um, so. Apart from when they're at each other's throats, um, yeah.
1: I don't think so.
0: And look, I will say that this is going to be a big storyline of this season is sort of the reconnection of these two. And I think we said it way back in season one that I like the fact that this is kind of the Ross and Rachel storyline of third watch, the will they, won't they. And, it never gets tiring. I actually like it. And considering how far we've come between these two with the fact that, you know, Jimmy's almost par abusive by smashing that door down and, you know, trying to take Joey, that's his name, everyone, Joey, not my son, uh, away. You know, it's it's kind of, yeah, it comes full circle and I like it. So it's kind of the the, the slow foundations of what we're going to get this season, I guess, is long hug between these two.
1: Yeah, and um, I actually went back and listened to you and Brandy on the first recorded episode of when you guys started, when you guys started recapping this and you, and both of you described it as at that time, you know, Kim and Jimmy, they were like children themselves. And hmm. I mean, you, you're right. You know, it's, they were kids who had a kid.
0: Mm-hmm. And they mature <laughs> a lot. I mean, Jimmy, particularly you would argue maybe matures the most out of anyone in this show really kind of moving forward. So, yeah,
1: but, you have to wonder, though, and I think I said this back in season two after Bobby died. If Bobby hadn't died, would Jimmy have matured like this?
0: Ah, uh, yes. I I don't see how Bobby being alive would have changed that. Well,
1: that was when Jimmy realized that he needed to step up. And that, that was when it really, really hit Jimmy that he needed to... I, I would say that's when it really hit. J- that was one of the things that really made Jimmy realize, okay, I need to step up and be a and be a and be a dad mm. and be a and be a real dad to my son because the arguably the only father figure he's ever known is now dead. Okay, so yeah, and Jimmy and Kim obviously they had their shit going through that, but when Jimmy stepped up and started, you know, trying to be a better man and a better father to his son he grew up in all he grew up in all the other ways too
0: that's an interesting point i haven't really thought about it that way so yeah i guess that's probably a very valid point so yeah true i'll I'll give you that yeah i didn't think about it that way good job there davil um we've got the doctor talking to fred that uh the surgery went okay with yokus everything's fine uh but they've left a bullet inside of her um she'll never be able to feel it um, and that basically it's not unusual for them to be able to, uh, to do that, but, uh, that will play a bit of a storyline moving forward. Cruz is fully awake, talking to the FBI, the FBI going off at her, um, and they're kicking her off the case. You're finished with this, Cruz. Oh no, not this long winded storyline of Cruz working with the FBI. Oh, I can't believe this storyline's already over. Um, and she's, Cruz obviously not gonna let this go. She's talking about, Knocked, the bit shot her talking about Yokos, and the only thing that saved her is that she was a bad shot. Um, which, that's a valid point. We know that Yokus isn't the good shot out of the pairing between her and Bosco. Um, the FBI then come and see Fred to try and talk to Yokus Fred tells him to go away, that they're done with all of you, leave us alone, goodbye. Um, so, goodbye to them. Mrs. Johnson, uh Ruth is in the church right now, Doc sees her, and then obviously she's saying how close they were, you know, so close, uh, he knew it was possible, but don't think it would ever um, be him. Um One thing I'll say, this is probably the last episode of complete normal Doc, would you agree? I know I kind of said that last episode, but I mean, I guess this is kind of just solemn Doc, this is just, you know, calm Doc yeah. being supportive, yeah, I think kind of... Yeah, between last episode and this episode it's the same day people even though he's got a shaved head. Um he's sort of <laughs> normal doc if you know what I mean.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, next next episode you next episode, I'll say it right now, next episode you really start getting an idea of just how much all this is affecting him. Mm. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh then we have got uh Davis and Sully and this is excuse me where we find out why Davis is kind of acting a little bit weird. Uh, and I do like her line, his line, when he's talking about Taylor and sort of, you know, that she was a much better person than I was, Um, you know, because, yeah, he was ashamed to be dating a white girl, as he says. Um, so, yeah, it's a good little scene between the two of them, um, serious yeah, enough, and yep. kind of, you know, explains a lot. And then it closes out with uh, Mary, Nurse Mary, telling Bosco, who's still at the hospital, that Jocus is awake um, and that is going to wait around still for Jocus. And that, uh, uh, says to Mary, can you tell the other nurse that I'm here? And then we kind of end with a shot of, uh, Yokos laying on the bed with a sort of slow beeping noise. And then it sort of zooms out and, uh, that's the end of the episode. But I do like the fact that there's Bosco waiting for Yoker to see if everything's okay. It's kind of, you know, despite everything that's happened between the two of them, uh, the fact that they broke up, that this just really still shows obviously how much Bosco still cares about her. Yeah. yeah definitely. And that's it. And, and I'll, Go ahead.
1: Oh, I, I was going to say uh, about the scene between Davis and Sully right before it. I love Sully's line. I mean, some may see it as him throwing it in Ty's face, throwing this in Ty's face, but I don't think he really was. Um, I like his I like his line. You know, you wouldn't let me get away with not talking about it.
0: Yeah. And that kind of is what makes Davis talk, which is it's very true because... You know, we had that last season, basically, where Davis is trying to get it out of Sully. So, uh, you know, very, very true indeed there. Um, but, yeah, that is that is the premiere episode, uh, The Truth and the Lies. I didn't think we are going to go this long talking about it, but it's a good thing, I guess. Uh, what yeah. are you going to do with this episode, Darvell? Darvell is buying this episode. Okay, and uh, any particular reason why? or Well,
1: aside from the FBI storyline... Um it was it it was a very very solid episode. I especially as you know loved the loved the scene of Ruth's outburst. Um all the all the um the scenes of Lieutenant Johnson although they were hard although they are hard to watch and hard to picture what what exactly he might have looked like they're still very well done. Really captures the da- Like I said, like I've said, the dangers of the of the job, Um, just everybody, just everybody coming together to to support each other. Mostly in this episode, you could argue that this is the episode of the season where the cast is all in one place and it's very well done, I think.
0: That oh, is a very good point, I think. Uh, it's a very good way of looking at it. The cast is all in one place. That's that's very true. Um, definitely Not the place disagree. they'd like to be, but... No, yeah. <laughs> very true. Um, I, for one, am going to rent it. Um, all right. I look, I just... I don't disagree with anything you said. I think you all... All your points are true and valid. I just... For, for the ending that we got last season and the sort of the tension that we had last season, it kind of does fall a bit flat just i i'm not nothing against sort of the johnson stuff and his wife that's all brilliant Look, it's all good to get that wrap around kim raver and everything around those sort of stuff the the paramedic and firefighter stuff i think is emotional and strong enough that that works on its own it's just like yeah we want the wrap up of everything that happened with the shootout but i'm just not a fan of sort of the end of the day how they handle it and i don't like the addition of the fbi stuff i just think that that really takes i think there was just another way they could have done that i don't know how but they just i'm not a fan of it and I think that, to me, detracts away enough that it's not a buy for me. So, yeah, it's the second season premiere in a row that I've uh, rented. Um, but, uh, you know, usually the season premiere and the season finale should be the strong, you know, among the strongest episodes of the season. And I don't necessarily think this is one of the strongest on a, on a very kind of, you know, as we said at the beginning of this episode, a season that sort of just sort of middle of the range, maybe the most forgettable season out of all of them. But, uh, yeah, I've I've ranked this uh, 79th, and I will say that's out of 98 episodes. So I've ranked the first 10 episodes already of this season. So just to sort of put that into context. So, uh, yeah, 79th, mm-hmm. I've got this just above Ladies' Day from last season and uh, <laughs> just below History from season two. So that's kind of where I have this episode right now. Um, all right. Next week, though, we are back and we are into talking about, uh, my opening farewell. A very good episode. I actually really enjoy my opening farewell. Yes. A strong episode. And, uh, I will say right now, another nominee for a top five moment, I believe, in this episode. So, um, and we get a, we get a funeral for Taylor. Uh, you know, we didn't get one for Bobby. I'm still hanging up over that. But we get a Taylor funeral. So I guess there's, uh, something slightly redeeming there. And um we're probably going to say this a lot every single week in terms of previewing next week's episode but Doc starts to fall off the rails a little bit further next week as well.
1: Yep. And it's 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 sad to it's sad to watch Doc slowly slipping throughout this season until we get to what ultimately happens. It's such an emotional roller coaster ride but and it's hard to watch it's sad to watch but it is extremely believable To michael beach
0: owns it and i will say uh david we also meet uh jim zambrano so i'm looking forward to uh meeting oh, jim
1: okay jim
0: brano yes okay hey, nice
1: to yeah
0: nice to meet you jim yeah exactly uh but in the meantime like us on facebook follow us on twitter subscribe to all our relevant channels so you get all these straight to your devices every single week and we look forward to bringing you more and more of these as we move forward Uh, covering all of Third Watch. My name is Ben, and I'm thinking of you. My name's Darvell, and...
1: Can you tell me why?
0: See you next week. Thank you for listening to The Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.